Welcome to Keith and I Don't Tread on Anyone. One of the most important things I learned from Alex Jones was getting in people's face is okay when you have the moral high ground. It's important to really address something right in front of someone rather than, you know, write an article or make sure you're a tenured professor before doing anything risky or uh, b before really questioning the status quo, see how it's going to affect you. Uh, having him get on CNN and talk about gun rights and the support for the Second Amendment after uh, some of these private crimes occurred. <laughs> uh, of course, private crime occurs, people call for, you know, total state monopoly of guns, Government crime occurs and people say, well, they need more funding to reform themselves. Um, Alex Jones just took the logic that Piers, lack thereof, logic that Piers Morgan was throwing at him. You know, what about uh, these terrible private murders? And Alex Jones says, yes, they exist and they're terrible. Now, what about government murders? He mentions Hitler, Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot. I mean, that is just incredible. Everyone else is defending the Second Amendment on... Well, the founders said this, and while all that is really important, it doesn't get at the heart of the issue. Uh, another thing I learned uh, was this is a, uh, th these are two screenshots from an episode of InfoWars where he's talking about the false dichotomy of the Democrats and the Republicans. Now, at the time, I remember saying this is the most bizarre thing, like, how is black white? How is, you know, the opposite of something the same thing as that thing? I mean, they're always fighting with each other. How could they be the same thing? And then you can actually falsify this by saying, well, what are the big issues that the state deals with? And where do the two parties stand? And when you find out, they both support NSA spying. They both support the Central Intelligence Agency. They're both okay with killing civilians overseas and not holding either the troops or the politicians accountable. They both support taxation. They both support the kidnapping drug war. They support one group monopolizing the currency called the Federal Reserve. I mean, what, what are the chances that they both support one group monopolizing the Federal Reserve? It's, and, and as opposed to having a competing currency, like every other thing they say, oh, we gotta watch out for monopolies. By the way, only this group has the right to do uh, action X and provide service B. It's incredible. Uh, they both support protectionism, which is violent domination of commercial interaction. Same with the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, both parties believe the state has the right to stop you from ingesting things. Um, the My Body, My Choice people uh, constantly against, um, you know, abolishing the FDA, shockingly. Uh, both parties believe in economic regulation as well as licensing. So long story short, there is a false dichotomy. And that's how you can have an election like 2012, where the big issue between left-wing Obama and right-wing Romney was whether the 1% tax rates, you know, sh should be extended from 36 to 39% on, you know, the, the top 2% of earners or whatever. That, that's what it is. Not is the state legitimate. Not what is the difference between right and wrong behavior. It's none of that stuff. It, they get you argue, arguing about trivial nonsense, so they can run rampant tyranny all over the place. Another thing that I learned from Alex Jones is it's important to take it's important to take matters into your own hands when the media is not addressing it. So it's very easy to say, "Oh, there should be a committee appointed to investigate X." Well, no. Instead of investigating, why don't we you, whoever it is, why don't you actually do the investigating? So when you see a picture like this, you say, Reagan and Nixon are hanging out with a group of people before both of them are president? Well, what is uh, what, what is going on here? 
you know, the bushes hang out here, Gingrich is in here, where it's in the middle of the Redwood Forest, Colin Powell was there recently. So what Alex Jones did is he took a camera and he snuck in. Now, uh, imagine Rachel Maddow or Don Lemon or uh, Sean Hannity uh, really being interested in something that appears to be extremely dangerous, grabbing a camera and going in themselves. I mean, to ask it is to answer it. He gets in the face of David Gergen, who wrote an article talking about the sexual activity that in, that's engaged in that uh, at the Grove. And basically, the video shows this occult ritual uh, referred to as the cremation of care. Now, that is something I think is a little newsworthy. I mean, it's not as big as, you know, Caitlyn Jenner or Stormy Daniels or Jesse Smollett or, you know, uh, the, that uh, terrible firefight uh, in Syria or Kentucky, well, you know, well, well, wherever that was. Um, they go into the middle of the Redwoods and these people who commit atrocities, who are primarily responsible, they cremate, kill their care. Caring about something is what would stop them from doing it. And they cremate that. <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of interesting? I, I, I think it's worth looking into, maybe. Uh, the Bohemian Grove, which I attended from time to time, is the most faggy goddamn thing you could ever imagine, is what Richard Nixon said in one of his memoirs. Wouldn't you maybe get a follow-up question on, uh, on one of those things? I, I mean, isn't that pretty interesting that there's a secret elite hideout where crazy sexual activity goes on and there's these occult rituals? Another great thing about... Alex Jones is he would talk to whistleblowers that the media, that the mainstream would not address. So they're more than happy to look at, you know, people coming out like um, uh, Christine Blasey Ford or E. Jean Carroll. Oh, c c you know, they got him to testify against Brett Kavanaugh going on the Supreme Court. The, they had E. Jean Carroll say, you know, Trump did all these terrible things to me. Listen to my story, which... You know, it's great that people can, you know, have that uh, access when they need it. But when you totally ignore stories like Kathy O'Brien, Bryce Taylor, and t FBI whistleblower Ted Gunderson, I mean, Alex Jones is an absolute national treasure. Ted Gunderson was, um, uh, he was the one uh, who interviewed Paul Benassi along with John DeCamp to talk about actually what went on at uh, at the Grove. Now, I think Paul Benassi is an extremely reliable witness at you watch Who Took Johnny on Netflix. You can uh, d do a little more research into that. But uh, another thing that uh, Alex Jones would do is make these movies and put them up free on YouTube when YouTube was, uh, you know, first coming out and it was just a bunch of motivated, you know, mainly truthers, teachers of information, pe people who just thought it was great to. You, instead of holding on to this stuff, we can actually share it with others. Um, so he uh, made this movie, A History of Government-Sponsored Terrorism, in which you can find out about Operation Northwoods. Now, most people watching this know it now, and it's almost, you know, a cliche to mention it, but how did I go through 12 years of schooling uh, without knowing that there was once a conspiracy in America for the Joint Chiefs of Staff that signed off on it, primarily Lemnitzer, uh, to actually stage fake events in America blame it on the Cubans, and justify war with Cuba, allied with the Soviet Union, who could have started, <laughs> who could have turned the Cold War hot. In order to understand uh, institutions, it's important to understand their history. So not looking into something like this will stop you from grasping how governments and corporations, the like, um, operate today. Um, Alex Jones questioned Building 7, and really, if it wasn't for... 
Alex Jones, Jason Burmes, those guys really brought Building 7 to light. Now, it, I'm not saying Building 7 occurred, therefore it was uh, Cheney and Benjamin Netanyahu. What I'm saying is this is incredible that a third building collapsed and the mainstream media was more or less indifferent to it, as was the 9-11 Commission. Wouldn't you think that there'd be a big investigation that, hey, maybe this was a demolition and that's what Al-Qaeda did. Al-Qaeda hates us so much for our freedoms and whatnot that they demolished one of our buildings. Maybe, maybe not. But we, the mainstream media, need to investigate this. We, the politicians who live to protect the people, we need to find out what happened to make sure our constituents can sleep well at night, you know, considering they fund us, we represent them, etc. Once you look into any of this, you realize that government, far from being there to represent you, is actually a gang of thieves, um, just uh, trying to manipulate your emotions, being the biggest gang on the block. The one gang that people see as legitimate <laughs> ends up committing the worst atrocities because people recognize its authority is legitimate. Um, Alex Jones brought to mention skull and bones. Now, how often do we hear in the media that, um, you know, uh, there might be, uh, you know, the Koch brothers might be funding this person or Russia uh, really wants Tulsi Gabbard or, uh, you know, Sarwark hinting that uh, Ron Paul was sort of pushed forth by the Russians so the U.S. would withdraw foreign policy so the Russians can take over. Absolute nonsense. Um, Skull and Bones is important because you had two, uh, it's a secret society that Bush and Kerry belonged to when they ran against each other as president, as did Henry L. Stimson, who was Secretary of War uh, during Pearl Harbor, now, there's a book, America's Secret Establishment, Order of Skull and Bones by Anthony Sutton, excellent researcher, excellent because he uses primary documents in his work. There's an expression that this group uses referred to as um, order out of chaos. And it's interesting because when you have sort of this psychology of how the masses think, so how you can manipulate them, when 9-11 happens, any sane person would say, well... A terrible attack happens, government is there to protect the people, so everyone's going to hate the government and say, you didn't keep us safe, we're going to stop funding you, you all need to be replaced. And to the contrary, what happened was people trusted the state with more power than ever before. I mean, probably since FDR was interning, I shouldn't say ever before, probably since FDR was interning Japanese citizens by the hundreds of thousands. Uh, Americans did this. And my reasoning for saying, you know, probably more than ever before is because George Bush had a 92% approval rating after a terrorist attack happened on his watch. So that's how you get people to blindly follow you. Now, uh, again, understanding institutions. This is what Alex Jones and InfoWars bring to the table. He discussed agent provocateurs in that movie, Terror Storm. An agent provocateur, French for inciting agent, is a person who commits or acts to entice another person to commit an illegal or rash act or falsely implicate them in partaking in an illegal act so as to ruin the reputation or entice legal action against the target or group they belong to. An agent provocateur may be a member of law enforcement agency acting out of their own sense of duty or under orders or other entity. They may target any group such as a peaceful protest or demonstration, a union, political party, or company. If you don't know that this exists, you're not going to search out principles. You're going to look for, okay, what is the name of the group and what 
uh, situations or people can I use to represent the group and make a judgment about them. Instead, you should look at the principles of what the group is advocating or what the ideology is behind uh, the group's advocacy. So instead, they get people just to look at uh, terrible things that you could pin on a person or group of persons to delegitimize them. Uh, two sources in this. Now, it's important when I use non-InfoWars sources, I'm saying InfoWars and Alex Jones really searched out for all this information, found it in the mainstream media because they're not a source in and of themselves. Um, and they really brought it to light, putting a lot of focus on it. So mentioning something in page 65 of the paper and it going away after a while, that doesn't really do justice to how important some of this stuff is, whereas InfoWars did do that. So you'll see me citing non-InfoWars uh, studies or um, articles or books. My point is, is that Alex Jones really made the public aware of them and really got in our face about these things. So this is something that the New York Times and the Denver Post have recognized along with the Southern Poverty Law Center, to their credit, the existence of agent provocateurs. It's important to know that these things exist. Now, here's a New York Times article, terrorist plots helped along by the FBI. Undercover agents and informers posed as terrorists offering a dummy missile, fake C4 explosive, a disarmed suicide vest, and rudimentary training. FBI agents even did the driving with Mr. Muhammad in the passenger seat. So this is what was originally referred to as COINTELPRO, counterintelligence program, uh, from 1956 to 1971, a series of covert and at times illegal projects conducted by the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation aimed at surveilling, infiltrating, discrediting, and disrupting domestic political organizations. So whenever you see something negative about an organization, you it's important to know that there's a group out there of conspirators who are funded to the tune of billions, coercively, every single year trying to make some groups look bad. And if you don't have any principles, then you're just at the mercy of Oh, what do you mean that group who belongs to that ideology? Didn't you hear what happened? And then you name one event that the FBI staged and that justifies the state taking more action or delegitimizes that group in their original message. FBI agents posing as, Al as members of Al-Qaeda or other groups was part of many FBI uh, training programs. I mean, th this is the New York Times saying, watch out, the FBI is going to be pretending to be Al-Qaeda. If you saw one of these videos and you didn't have any of this research, would you ever think, oh, that might be the FBI? You know, that that's, uh, that's something they intentionally do very often. Of the 22 most frightening plans for attacks since 9-11 on American soil, 14 were developed in sting operations. The majority of terrorism is the result of the FBI. And then the New York Times article ends with, it's not easy to tell the difference. Now, it, shouldn't you, if you're a politician, uh, recognize this story is in a major newspaper and come out and refute it? I mean, we, we really have great reason to believe that this is uh, legitimate. Now, if you know that that happens, if you know about agent provocateurs, then things like World Trade Center 1993 make sense when Ahmed Salim is... Uh, actually uh, has private recordings of his uh, discussions with FBI informants. You also can see things like um, Timothy McVeigh and J John Doe number two. There were 24 people independently who said they saw a second guy with Timothy McVeigh 
No, it was not Terry Nichols. So when you see that, you start asking questions. Alex Jones, knowing about agent provocateurs, then starts asking questions, whereas the mainstream media says, well, the FBI would never do something to try to discredit an organization. Well, no, COINTELPRO, agent provocateurs, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, someone like Andre Straussmeyer, who was an ATF informant sent into Elohim City, you know, they wanted to ask some questions of. And uh, as far as I know, the FBI is still waiting to bring him, uh, bring him in under questioning. You have David Hammer uh, talks uh, about Timothy McVeigh. Now, isn't that interesting? You have someone write a book, Secrets Worth Dying For, and this was the guy who spent more time with anyone else uh, he spent more time with Timothy McVeigh than anyone else after McVeigh committed the crime. Wouldn't that be an interesting interview? Hey, what did he talk about? Hey, what was his reasoning? Hey, let's get into the mind of this guy so we could try to prevent these things in the future and try to gain more knowledge. Mainstream media couldn't care less. Alex Jones was on the story long before. Again, the New York Times got to give him credit here. But again, they published this, yet the masses don't know about it because it's not part of the uh, truth agenda. It's something more that slips through. It's an exception to the rule. Whereas I think the rule with InfoWars is, uh, is they tend to be pretty good at uh, bringing these things to light. So here's what Timothy McVeigh said to his sister in a private letter. Now, here's what led to my current life. It all revolves around my arrival at Fort Bragg for Special Forces. We all took intelligence, psychological adaptedness, and a whole battery of other tests out of a group of 400. One day in formation, 10 social security numbers were called out, no names, and told to leave formation. Mine was one. The 10 of us were told that out of the select group of 400, we had scored highest on certain tests. We had been selected because of our intelligence, physical makeup, and physical abilities. We were to feel special, special part of a hand-picked Grouped. We were asked to volunteer, talk about peer pressure, to do some work for the government on domestic as well as international front. Now, when you hear that, and you know the history of COINTELPRO, you have to ask yourself, well, w was he part of the operation? I mean, it's so easy to say, well, he's part of the conspiring patriot movement which they later called PATCON, Patriot Conspiracy, uh, when the FBI was used uh, to infiltrate it. They had its own infiltration operation name, PATCON. And, you know, this isn't really part of, uh, uh, part of our mainstream history. What I learned next, both from the brief... This is uh, McVeigh's letter continued. What I learned next, both from the briefings and from the questions and private talks included, we would be helped by the CIA... We would be helping the CIA fly drugs into the U.S. to fund many covert operations. Military consultants were to work hand-in-hand -hand with civilian police agencies to quiet anyone who was deemed a security risk. We would be paid government assassins. Many other details. To verify these last two, see the enclosed article, or watch again the movie Lethal Weapon. It also gives you insights into things like Waco, etc. They were murdered by hitmen. Now, Waco was provably... Um, an ATF setup. You had uh, an FBI informant, Robert Rodriguez, uh, go going in there. So again, it it's FBI informants 
initiating a conflict to have a desired outcome. In this case, it was to make uh, anyone in the sort of militia movement, anyone, you know, really caring about the Constitution look like an absolute wacko. Oh, who are you, Timothy McVeigh? I've even seen a meme that said, you know what patriot, you know another patriot who's against gun control? And it's a picture of McVeigh. Um, and, you know, we'll, we don't uh, really get much from him in this uh, 60 minutes, you know, the, uh, one minute and 32 seconds. Media couldn't care less. Now, again, when you see these things happen, you have to have a foundation of how the world operates in order to grasp an understanding. And if you've watched InfoWars, you know about Fletcher Prouty. In fact, one of his books titled The Secret Team talks about uh, specifically page 214 uh, of the PDF that I use. Um, the term sheep dipped. Uh, which has appeared in the New York Times version of the Pentagon Papers, is an intricate army device process by which a man who is in the service as a full career soldier or officer agrees to go through all the legal and official motions of resigning from the service. He goes into his bank, charges card and services, and changes his status to civilian, known as White Star Teams. Now, isn't that interesting? We have another whistleblower, uh, colonel in the military, say... You know, there's something where people pretend to leave the military so they're not suspect, and then they continue military operations. If you don't have that understanding, then the alarm bells don't start going off, the red flags don't start appearing when you see something like Timothy McVeigh or the Boston bombing or anything like that. I mean, how many mainstream media sources have spoken about FBI's Operation PatCon, where they intentionally went in to... Uh, patriot movements, people who refer to themselves as patriots, uh, anyone advocating the Second Amendment in America, etc. Um, and, uh, and, and this, of course, is just the state want, needs a monopoly on dominating peaceful people, and this just looked like a competitor. So that's, uh, that's how they take out uh, competition, not arguments. See, if they really represented the people, they, of course, wouldn't need to engage in all this Nonsense. According to the National Security Studies Program Policy Center, PATCON, the FBI's secret war against the Patriot Movement, and how infiltration tactics relate to radicalizing influences. Now, uh, two of the uh, sources here, a uh, spy on the radical right acquitted, <laughs> New York Times. The reason he was acquitted is because he worked for the FBI. False Patriots, Southern Poverty Law Center. Credit where credit's due. Congratulations to the broken clock of the Soviet lying poverty center. Carol Howe was one of uh, the major whistleblowers who mainstream media doesn't really find that, uh, that she needs any talking to. She was actually an ATF informant. Very sad when you watch the Ruby Ridge interview. Um, long story short, uh, she does not believe the official story and believes she has information that people in the ATF knew about the bombing. Ahead of time, there were also rider trucks being stored um, at an ATF location close by. L long story short, <laughs> how has the media missed any, all of that stuff? And Alex Jones has gotten it. He's an absolute, he's so valuable, this guy. And uh, to spit in the face of something so great, I, uh, I think we're sort of shooting ourselves in the foot here. And he deserves it. Operation Paperclip, the secret intelligence program to bring Nazi scientists to America. Isn't that interesting? It's supposed to be, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Those people are so evil, we should never let them in. Um, you know, if I see a skinhead, you know, this is terrible. You know, punch a Nazi every time you see him. 
Well, there was a conspiracy to get all the Nazi scientists to come in America. And later they, well, engaged in MKUltra. They were uh, the founders of uh, NASA and whatnot. So uh, if you see a group of people conspiring with Nazis, the average person would say, oh, that's terrible, that's immoral, what's going on here? When the CIA does it, well, that's just diplomacy. Another thing Alex Jones brought to light was this article by the Washington Post from May 25th, 2010. CIA units wacky idea depicts Saddam as gay by Jeff Stein during planning for the 2003 Iraq invasion of Iraq. The CIA's Iraq Operation Group kicked around a number of ideas for discrediting Saddam Hussein in the eyes of people. One was to create a video purporting to show the Iraqi dictator having sex with a teenage boy, according to two former CIA officials familiar with the project. It would look like it was taken by a hidden camera, said one of the former officials. Very grainy, like it was secret videotaping of a sex session. The idea was to flood Iraq with the videos, the former official said. So this is what central intelligence agencies do. They fabricate information to justify ideas the State Department previously had. Another idea was to interrupt Iraqi television programming with a fake special news bulletin. An actor, playing Hussein, would announce that he was stepping down in favor of his much-revealed son, Uday. So that's what uh, Central Intelligence is up to. But of course, you know, someone does something bad in the Patriot Movement. Oh, the Patriots Movement's terrible, and the CIA needs to uh, stomp it out. They need to have those people arrested. When the CIA does it, it's like, ooh, interesting. Ooh, tricks that they use against our enemies. Ooh, wow. Operation Mockingbird. <laughs> Again, the Mockingbird media is not going to tell you about this, but InfoWars will. The CIA and the media, 50 facts the world needs to know. Operation Mockingbird is an alleged large-scale program of the United States Central Intelligence Agency. It's not alleged. It's in a collection of documents referred to as CIA Family Jewels and was used in, uh, was brought to light as part of the Church Committee. That began in the early 1950s. Oh, began and now is not going on today. The only time they've ever done anything bad is the times that we've caught them. And attempted to manipulate news media for propaganda purposes. It funded student and cultural organizations and magazines as front organizations. The term false flag is primarily popular because of Alex Jones bringing it to light, questioning official stories. So when you have all this historical knowledge, all of the agent provocateurs, staging, all the staging of these events, yeah, you're going to question something like Sandy Hook. And guess what? Parents of Sandy Hook victims, I am so sorry. That is so horrible. But people still have the right to question things, question the official story. Uh, people still have the right to commit that thought crime, even though I'm very sorry that it offends you. A false flag is a covert operation designed to deceive. The deception creates the appearance of a particular party, group, or nation being responsible for some activity, disguising the actual source of responsibility. Did you know the CIA mm, invented the label conspiracy theory? Well, they didn't invent it. What happened was they uh, coined it, so to speak. Uh, they, uh, th they popularized it. They really made sure through Operation Mockingbird to put it into the media as quick as possible and have everyone refer to this. 
1967 memo, document 1035-960, countering criticism of the Warren Report, the CIA invented popularized the label conspiracy theorists as a weapon to be used against anyone who asks questions about the JFK assassination. Now, isn't that interesting? The Central Intelligence Agency, that, that's where all the intelligence is, and they work for the government who works for us. They have all this intelligence, and when people ask questions, they call them names. They don't say, hold on, let me write down that question. I'm going to go back to our agency where the intelligence is, and I'm going to get that answer for you, concerned citizen who deserves the truth because we're here to serve you. If you have that belief, it's because you watch mainstream media nonsense, unfortunately. Look, and I'm not just picking on the state. Well, I am in this case. But if you only attend uh, Koch Brothers seminars, you're probably not going to get the truth about David and Charles. Same thing if you only attend, um, you know, uh, Mormon church, you're probably not going to hear a solid criticism of Joseph Smith. So when the state gets you in their education system, when uh, they fund the universities, when the CIA is uh, infiltrating the media, you don't get an accurate view of reality. Alex Jones has done a tremendous service in increasing the way people can accurately see the world around them by exposing things like this. One of the other major things I uh, first heard from Alex Jones was that the CIA had something to do with drug smuggling. Now, um, books like uh, The Big White Lie by Michael Levine really get into the details of this stuff. Great uh, articles on the internet have been posted of quotes from, uh, from certain books like this. But really diving into it, uh, a guy named Gary Webb, uh, also books like uh, The Iran-Contra Connection. Gary Webb worked for the... San Jose Mercury News, and he was the one who started really blowing the whistle on a lot of this stuff. Peter Dale Scott has a book, uh, Co Cocaine Politics. I can't endorse the book because I haven't read it, but a summary was so juicy that I will get around to it sometime. Gary Webb's uh, series was called Dark Alliance, and the this actually led to an investigation known as the Kerry Committee Report, in which people like Barry Seal were also looked at. Uh, Barry Seal was an American airline pilot who became a major drug smuggler for the Medellin cartel. When Seal was convicted of smuggling charges, he spent life in prison and the government said, this is why we fight the drug war. Oh no, I'm sorry. He became an informant for the Drug Enforcement Administration and testified in several major drug trials. Um, this, uh, something called the Kerry uh, Committee Report, formally titled, Drugs, Law Enforcement, and Foreign Policy was the final report of an investigation by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, sub Committee's Subcommittee on Terrorism, Narcotics, and International Operations. Perfect moment for that Spider-Man meme where they go to investigate and it turns out it's the CIA. Um, individuals who provided support for the Contras were involved in drug trafficking. That is a quote from the commission. Of course, I got to keep this short. One or another agency of the U.S. government had information regarding the involvement either while it was occurring or immediately thereafter, Barry Seal being the primary example. Now, of course, the status is going to initially jump in and say, oh, well, yeah, they were involved in drug dealing and drug trafficking, but they only did it to fund the Contras because they had to, and if we didn't do something, something bad might have happened. Why don't you try telling that to anyone who is a police officer in the FBI, in the ATF, DEA, and say, look, officer, 
I know you caught me with these drugs, but first of all, I'm just doing my job. Second of all, it's for the greater good. They'll say, uh, you broke the law. And of course, the law is just there to oppress people. Uh, real law would be natural law, private property rights, the non-aggression principle, and uh, upholding of voluntary contracts. Uh, Michael Rupert was a guy who also blew the whistle on CIA drug trafficking, no, uh, another one of the first people to question the official 9-11 story and Dick Cheney's role in particular. This guy is uh, an absolute hero. The politics of heroin in Southeast Asia. CIA complicity in global drug trade by Alfred W. McCoy is a book that Michael Rupert also recommends. Um, one thing that really was just such a stretch for me was yes, the government conspires, but does the government spray chemicals in the air to try and oppress a group of people? I mean, really, is that something they do? There's got to be so much planning. That's such a stretch. I don't believe it. Turns out there's quite a long history of this. Had it not been for Alex Jones talking about a subsection of a bill brought to the floor by Dennis Kucinich uh, talking about chemtrails, I never would have known that the government openly just sprayed people by the millions indiscriminately, which led to these uh, uh, terrible casualties and people having all these deformed limbs and all these deformed faces. Um, it was called rainbow herbicides. It is widely known for its use by the U.S. military as part of herbicidal warfare program in Operation Ranch Hand during the Vietnam War from 61 to 71. And as it says, it not only has environmental effects uh, found in the mixture have caused major health problems for many individuals who were exposed. Up to 4 million people in Vietnam were exposed to Agent Orange. Uh, I mean, it, it's one thing. Uh, what they do, the, the trick is, uh, look at these people. They're really bad. By the way, uh, uh, the OSS uh, installed Ho Chi Minh in the north, which then became the CIA, to start the... Uh, war in Vietnam. It, it's a complete setup. So, of course, uh, the Gulf of Tonkin lie being uh, another one that uh, a lot of people know about. And, you know, I think I heard about Gulf of Tonkin from Jesse Ventura, but I only know of Ventura because he was on Alex Jones's show and then got his own show, uh, Conspiracy Theory, which he lost because Chris Kyle fabricated a story about um, the meeting at uh, the Navy SEAL convention. Operation Sea Spray, another a government spraying operation was a 1950 U.S. Navy secret experiment in uh, which bacteria were sprayed in the San Francisco Bay Area in California. So first it's, oh, they'd never spray chemicals. Okay, well, yeah, they would spray chemicals, but only on the enemy in a time of war. See, morality alters when there's an alleged enemy and what you're doing is called a time of war. So if you want to do something immoral, just wage war on a person or a group of persons, and then morality alters. This affected 800,000 residents um, and was inhaled by millions of people in San Francisco in the 1950s. I would not have known about this. I would not have done any research into this seriously had it not been for Alex Jones. These were later referred to as the Cold War experiments loosely. Another one of the Cold War experiments, Operation Dew, refers to two separate field trials conducted by the United States in 1950s. Tests were designed to study the behavior of aerosol-related biological agents. This took place near Georgia and North and South Carolina. So yes, they would do it. 
against innocent people, and they would do it in America. And yes, they would get away with it because such a microscopic percentage of people know about things that there's already primary sources for. Operation LAC, large area coverage, was a U.S. Army chemical Corps operation which dispersed microscopic zinc calcium sulfide particles over much of the United States and Canada in order to test, to test dispersal patterns and the geographical range of chemical or biological weapons. This happened in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, South Carolina, Georgia, as mentioned in Operation Dew, and on the east coast of Britain and the North Sea. In St. Louis in the mid-1950s, and again a decade later, the Army sprayed zinc calcium sulfide via motorized blowers atop Pruitt Iago at schools from the backs of station wagons and via planes. Another one is um, Alex Jones getting very upset, going on a rant, again showing that it's okay uh, for people to be passionate about things that really matter when originally, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to get mad at Trump for talking to Putin, that's really big. Um, but uh, when a, a group of conspirators are actually attempting to change the way human beings function, starting with frogs, he gets a little upset. I mean, but so what? Instead of asking him, okay, chemicals are turning the frogs gay, um, <laughs> that sounds really weird, and I'm not sure who would do that, why, who would fund it, but uh, w what's your source? Notice, instead of asking what the source is, they just engage in the argument from intimidation and just say, ha, 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 you actually believe that, when really we have Berkeley News, someone well-respected, we have live science, we have study birth control turning male fish into females, shorthand, changing their gender, going from one to another, it turning the frogs gay, so to speak. So this is something Alex Jones brought to light. It's important because what's holding the state back from total tyranny is, well, a couple things, which is embracing of uh, true gender roles. For example, you would have, I'm not saying this is the only way, I'm saying that this is a hurdle on the road to tyranny. Um, you would have, ideally, a male populace willing to speak the truth unapologetically and engage in the self-defense principle. And then two, you would have genuine women saying, I am never going to sleep with someone who violates the non-aggression principle. How dumb and animalistic are you? What kind of provider are you? You can't even use your brain. You're just like an animal who needs to initiate violence. Ugh, get out of my way. So uh, gender roles are something the state's constantly at war with, along with religion. They see it as, um, as sort of a competition uh, some anything that would stop them from having an ultimate domination in society. John P. Holdren wrote a book titled Ecoscience, Population, Resources, and Environment with Paul Ehrlich and his wife, Anne. John P. Holdren is an American scientist who served as a senior advisor to President Barack Obama on science and technology issues throughout his role as assistant to the president for science and technology director of White House Office of Science and Technology Policy and co-chair of the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology. He was educated at Stanford and MIT. Now, it's important that whenever you say, look what person X did, well, does this person have institutional power? That is really what matters. That is one of the great things that I think leftists actually bring to the table is uh, much more of an understanding of institutional power 
granted, they don't apply it consistently. They're more worried about 12 Nazis marching in Charlottesville than, uh, you know, mass murderers in the White House. But here is uh, some screenshots from an InfoWars documentary where Webster Tarpley goes through the history of population control. Um, I took a screenshot of the book here to make things a little more clear. I'm quoting from page 837 of Ecoscience. Uh, John P. Holdren, Paul and Ann Ehrlich. To date, there has been no serious attempt in Western countries to use laws of con laws to control excessive population growth, although there exists ample authority under which population growth could be regulated. For example, under the United States Constitution, effective population control programs could be enacted under the clauses that empower Congress to appropriate funds to provide for the general welfare and to regulate commerce or under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Such laws constitutionally could be very broad. Indeed, it has been concluded that compulsory population control laws, including laws requiring compulsory abortion, could be sustained under the existing Constitution if the population crisis became sufficiently severe to endanger the society. Now, of course, they're always telling us uh, that uh, they know exactly how many people there should be, how much money there should be in society, when a company is too big, when a company is too small, when someone's too rich, when someone's too poor, and they violently impose this stuff. So isn't that a bit of a scandal you'd think the mainstream media would talk about? I mean, Alex Jones is bringing this stuff to the forefront that someone on Obama's team is pushing violent eugenics uh, justifications. Not, not really of interest to uh, anyone in the mainstream. A case in point was the sudden imposition in 1976 of compulsory sterilization in some Indian states and for government employees in Delhi following two decades of discouraging results from voluntary family planning. So in other words, he specifically mentions coercive measures and then addresses the voluntary concern in case anyone, you know, cares about freedom in the slightest and they're reading this book, preparing to be uh, one of the elites, uh, just voluntary, doesn't work. It gives us very discouraging results. The development of a long-term sterilizing capsule that could be implanted under the skin and removed when pregnancy is desired by the state opens additional possibilities for coercive fertility control. The capsule could be implanted at puberty and might be removable with official permission. So you got, so the state owns every woman's womb and uh, apparently every man's semen. Um, and it might be removable with official permission for a limited number of births. Oh, to be fair, that would be anarchy. I mean, if people could just have kids without, you know, uh, getting the state to uh, give its uh, stamp of approval on a woman's stomach before she's able to conceive, that uh, it's only fair. Because without that, bad things might happen. Baby <laughs> building proposals uh, for baby licenses. So a license is when you delegate a right or delegate permission to someone. What this is literally saying is if the state has a right to grant you a license to have a kid, the state owns everyone's body and all potential babies that might exist in the future. Uh, I mean, and they're so worried about, ooh, but if we have freedom, some people might have too much power and that might lead to bad things. Of course, it's ridiculous. Ego science page 939. 
Idealistically, we might enter a plea where surrendering some national sovereignty to a world government, but it is apparent that any movement in that direction will be extremely slow at best. Oh, I'm super devastated. Valuable as the United Nations has been in many respects, it is clear that it will not become a supranational government in the foreseeable future. Uh, so, yep, he advocates uh, forced eugenics, baby licensing, world government, and uh, it's not really, you know, a, a, a big deal. Uh, Alex Jones brought it to the forefront, few others did. Made a documentary, put it out on YouTube for free. Webster Tarpley uh, narrates it, it's, it's just terrific. I mean, th that, is, that alone is so important that we really need to thank Alex Jones and, and his crew for what they do. J.P. Morgan employees joined Goldman Sachs among top Obama donors. This was one of the great red pill moments for me. When I was, uh, I originally got into politics, uh, passionate about um, gay marriage. I think I was passionate about, um, I just saw it as there's a pile of wealth and we could give it to people and they could become wealthy. So I uh, was a leftist at the time who supported Obama. First time I was ever interested in politics. So seeing that the banks who he was railing against are funding him, this was just totally foreign to me. But if you're Alex Jones and you've done the research of Anthony Sutton's books, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, Wall Street and the rise of Hitler, you've read about the Federal Reserve and how the banks uh, control the state. You uh, can realize that um, banks push for more regulation and more government control to stomp out competition because they lobby for Congress. Because as opposed to wanting a free voluntary market, they actually want to violently dominate others, which is known as mercantilism, something Adam Smith wrote against in 1776. Goldman Sachs was Barack Obama's number one private contributor. Statement uh, regarded as true. This is something uh, Michael Moore report, uh, spoke about on Stephen Colbert's show. And it was just, it's just so incredible that it, you have someone speaking ill of an organization saying, watch out, we're going to come regulate you. And then he implements the Dodd-Frank bill, which absolutely crushes credit unions and any potential competition the big banks might face. Here is uh, some research Mother Jones did where they list a person and their former um, uh, station at, a, at some uh, national bank. Now, this is commonly referred to as regulatory capture. So we want to regulate, we the state, want to regulate Industry X. Who knows mo mo most about Industry X out of everyone? Um, well, uh, I guess that would be the CEOs and the people who are involved in the industry. And then they then bend the rules to act in such a way as to benefit themselves at the expense of others coercively. Again, uh, there was a great uh, WikiLeaks article. Alex Jones and Jimmy Dore actually spoke about this, so side credit uh, to that show, um, from Citigroup. Now, uh, this says, a list of African-American, Latino, and Asian-American candidates broken down by cabinet slash deputy and under assistant uh, deputy assistant level plus a list of Native American, Arab Muslim, and American, Muslim American and disabled American candidates. Whew. That is a mouthful. Now, notice, none of uh, the qualifications, that there are all these accidents of birth because the Democrats are such sexist racists. It's incredible. It's all they care about. They care more. Uh, you can just look at uh, what in this letter discusses content of character. Is there anything that uh, in this letter that discusses race? Well, then that's because they're a bunch of racists. 
That's why they try pinning it uh, on the rest of us, because they know they are openly. While you did not ask for this, I prepared, I prepared and attached a similar document on women. So the goal is get an African-American in there, anyone who criticizes him, anti-black uh, is a racist. Get Hillary Clinton in there, anyone who disagrees is just obviously a sexist. I mean, you can't argue against the uh, impeccable uh, record of Hillary Clinton, you must be a sexist. Um, at the risk of being presumptuous, I also scoped out how the cabinet level appointments might be put together. Another great WikiLeak is the Pied Piper strategy. It's the elites just joking, saying, you know what we'll do? We'll put Trump ahead of everyone else. We'll say that he's the real threat. This way we could easily beat him. So here is uh, the cabinet example that uh, the uh, gentleman from Citigroup um, sends to the Obama campaign office, John Podesta specifically, at the time in uh, what appears to be October 6th of 2008, uh, mentioning Rahm Emanuel, you know, just, just oh, oh, quick, someone might be president, get uh, get a, uh, a Mossad agent, um, father uh, who was an Ergon terrorist, uh, quick, get him in there, who of course worked for uh, Goldman Sachs previously. And then at the end, they total up, here's the number of non-Hispanic white men, uh, women, African American, Latino, Asian American, Native Americans, disabled. I mean, besides um, maybe the Klan, does anyone care about race more than these psychos? Here is something that I don't remember when it was specifically. I think it was just in the middle of, oh, I, Alex Jones was on the Opie and Anthony show, and they were talking about population control, and he mentions uh, National State Security Memorandum 200, the Kissinger report. And I go, and I just remember thinking there is no way that this is true. And then it turns out, of course, the documents are online, uh, known as implications of worldwide population growth for U.S. security and overseas interests was completed on December 10th, 1974 by the United States National Security Council under the direction of Henry Kissinger. And it was adopted U.S. foreign policy by Gerald Ford, and was uh, obtained by researchers in the 1990s. So that alone goes to show you how, one, you can easily keep a secret for 16 years, and how even when it's no longer a hidden secret, it's totally dwarfed by all the other nonsense. It's been out since the 90s. McCullen memo's been out for like 20 years now. The basic thesis of this memorandum was that population growth in the least developed countries, LDCs, is a concern to U.S. national security because it would tend to risk civil unrest and political instability in countries that had a high potential for economic development. The policy gives paramount importance to population control measures and the promotion of contraception among 13 populous countries to control rapid population growth, which the U.S. deems amicable to the social, political, and economic growth of these countries and to the national interests of the United States since the U.S. economy will require large and increasing amounts of minerals from abroad and the countries can produce destabilizing opposition forces against the U.S. Now, this, of course, is, again, uh, the nonsense mercant uh, mercantilism, uh, embrace free trade, and uh, we uh, really won't uh, have to worry about that stuff. Thirteen countries are named in the report as particularly problematic with respect to the United States security interests. India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Indonesia, Thailand, the Philippines, Turkey, Nigeria, Egypt, Ethiopia, Mexico, Colombia, and Brazil. See, they'll openly tell the American populace, 
don't have kids, you know, it's, uh, it, it's immoral because it hurts the environment. Ooh, the cooler you are, the smaller the footprint, uh, carbon footprint you have, that's the way to go. But on other countries, they openly engage in violence. Now, of course, n no one really cares because, I mean, John P. Holdren openly says it. I shouldn't say no one cares. It's not getting the appropriate amount of attention that it deserves. Alex Jones is bringing attention to things like this, giving us a better understanding of how the world and the state works around us. He is so valuable. That's why I greatly appreciate him. So when it's, say, 2003, and the U.S. is saying we need to invade Iraq because Iraq is a threat to national security, global security, the more vague the better for the elites, um, it's important to have a historical understanding of, you know, not only past times the U.S. has gone to war, past relations with the U.S. in the first place. Now, of course, you can see the irony in the picture of Rumsfeld shaking hands with Saddam, fighting the Iranians. But um, one thing that uh, Alex Jones brought to light was not only the Iraqi sanctions, but how the war was initially justified to the public in the first place. Um, this woman, known as Nayaria, was the daughter of Saad bin Nasir al-Shabaab, uh, Kuwaiti ambassador to the U.S. and Canada. It was basically a false testimony cited by uh, President Bush Sr., along with seven other senators, saying the Iraqi army, in order to systemically destabilize Kuwait, went into the hospitals and took babies out of incubators, threw them on the floor, and killed the babies. Now, the goal of this is to first justify emotional support behind the invasion and to basically use it as a shield against any criticism of the U.S. government in that war. So, for example, um, when Megyn Kelly says, how dare you question uh, the events of Sandy Hook, it's not like governments ever lied before or used agent provocateurs or staged events prior. And Alex Jones says, well, what about the half a million dead Iraqis? You know, uh, th this is something that's pretty important. What they want the public to do is say, well, what about the babies in incubators? Fortunately, someone just looked at these pictures and this was able to get out there. But then again, what percentage of people know about the Nyaria testimony? How many people know that babies on bayonets was also a lie from World War I? How about babies being beaten? Janet Reno's justification to Bill Clinton to send in the Delta Force into Waco. These are all lies. These are all atrocities. This is atrocity propaganda. This is the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations in May of 1996. How is this woman not hated by all and seen as an absolute evil tyrant? I mean, Brett Kavanaugh's hated for doing something he never uh, did or said. And uh, Madeleine Albright is totally appreciated even by David Frum. He tweets, the, you know, the other day, oh, someone almost hit uh, Secretary Albright with their bike and the guy just kept driving. And Thaddeus Russell comments, we think the price was worth it. Uh, so Leslie Stahl asked U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., we have heard that half a million children have died. I mean, that is more children than died in Hiroshima. And, you know, is the price worth it? Madeleine Albright responds, I think it's a very hard choice, but the price, we think the price is worth it. Now, anyone who watches this channel regularly is familiar with that. The fact that not everyone knows about it. And this is one of the main ones that people respond to me of, ugh. If that happened, I think we'd know about it. And people will defend this, of course. I mean, if you could defend 
half a million dead children. Well, I guess maybe you work for Planned Parenthood. But if you could justify killing half a million children, is there anything the cult of statism can't get you to justify? See, government, the belief in authority, uh, rejecting natural law and the non-aggression principle is not only bad because it justifies, you know, bad people doing bad things to good people, but it turns good people bad also. And that, uh, that, that often goes unnoticed. People will justify things they would never in a million years justify. Uh, Alex Jones has brought more attention to the Federal Reserve through his interviews with G. Edward Griffin and Ron Paul. Uh, alike, then, I mean, it, you have to just look at the field that he's in. Anyone else in the mainstream media, ha ha have they focused on the Federal Reserve as much as him? Uh, this is basically the initial uh, primary source that got me interested in what was previously called the Aldrich Bill, uh, the Federal Reserve Bill of 1913. This was spoken about by Frank Vanderlip in the Saturday Evening Post. He basically blew the whistle, so to speak, on a secret meeting that took place at J.P. Morgan's ranch at uh, Jekyll Island. This is quoting Frank Vanderlip from uh, the 1935 issue of the Saturday Evening Post. Despite my views about the value to society of greater publicity for the affairs of corporations, there was an occasion near the close of 1910 when I was as secretive, indeed, as as furtive as any conspirator, I do not feel it is any exaggeration to speak of our secret expedition to Jekyll Island as the occasion of the actual conception of what eventually became the Federal Reserve System. Ooh, the media is there to protect us against people acting against our interests. They're there to inform us. Well, a bunch of people got together, conspired to monopolize the currency of a nation, and, uh, I mean, I, I certainly must have missed uh, this lesson uh, when I uh, was in government schools. Um, but Alex Jones focuses on it when, uh, when we need it the most. He has Ron Paul on, someone who advocates the non-aggression principle and libertarianism and exposes the Federal Reserve, something extremely important. Ron Paul is just totally ignored or dismissed as an absolute kook uh, by the average uh, media pundit. Uh, Alex Jones and InfoWars discuss the military-industrial complex, America's perpetual war machine, money, munitions, and mayhem. Whereas the closest Rachel Maddow has gone is to, you know, this, she says on Howard Stern's show, she's like, um, well, you know, uh, this kind of just happened over time, and, you know, before we know it, um, uh, we didn't get the whole story on invading Iraq. And that, of course, is the goal, uh, to take, you know what, government isn't perfect one time, there was a war, and we didn't have the full amount of information we should. We, we now know better. Uh, the reality is all wars are based on lies. War is a racket, as Smedley Butler says. No one is getting to the root of this like Alex Jones. Certainly in the mainstream media, few people in the independent media. I mean, we have a whistleblower who was a former World War II general and president of the United States, says it in his farewell address, Second, I mean, it, there's only one, so it's more important than uh, his uh, uh, State of the Union. So it's that and a president's inaugural address. He says we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. And this isn't really recognized as a big thing. You know, it's more or less, nah, it's not really there. That's a conspiracy theory. Alex Jones certainly focuses on it when few others will. 
um, how the CIA hid their MKUltra mind control program. There's so many primary documents with MKUltra that it's gone from, oh, you're a kook who believes you know, that, oh, there's people trying to control our minds. First of all, there are. We have the primary documents to address it. And second, uh, why is it that so few people would find this totally interesting? Like, they have to justify the actions of central intelligence. The media is on 24 hours, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, um, local Fox stations, uh, not just Fox News. And they really don't care to do, uh, hey, here's a story on this. I mean, they're too busy talking about tranny kids and everything else. Project MKUltra, also called CIA Mind Control Program, is the codename given to a program of experiments on human subjects that were designed and undertaken by the United States Central Intelligence Agency and were at times illegal. Now, research into MKUltra goes extremely deep. Long story short, I do not believe I would have heard of it had it not been for Alex Jones. I mean, I'm trying to think of other times I've, you know, heard about it referenced or anything else. I'm, it, he has done such a great job of exposing things that otherwise would go unnoticed. Um, also, there were the Guatemala syphilis experiments. Um, United States-led human experiments conducted in Guatemala from 1946 to 1948. The experiments were led by physician John Charles Cutler, who also participated in late stages of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. U.S. apologizes for Guatemala STD experiments. Now, here is Hillary Clinton apologizing for it, and here is how you're able to tell if an apology is sincere. So, for example, she's also apologized for the Iraq War, but after that, supported the invasion of Syria, then supported the invasion of Libya. So, you know it's a fake apology, because all you're going to get are brownie points for saying, you know what, here's something, and I take a moral stand against it. So, in other words, they're very, you know, oh, they're, they're so brilliant, they can bash Thomas Jefferson for owning slaves, um, you know, a few hundred years ago, when, it, of course, it was unjustified, morality's objective. So what they do is they pretend to have some sort of moral compass by distancing themselves from terrible events that no one would generally tie them to in the first place, but then everything they're involved in, they completely justify, even if it's mass murder, even if her husband starved half a million Iraqi kids, or maybe it was 20 to 100,000, who knows? The problem is the UN ambassador justified it. The article says, U.S. government medical researchers intentionally infected hundreds of people in Guatemala, including institutionalized mental patients. Oh, but if it weren't for government, who would care for the poor and the downtrodden? With gonorrhea and syphilis. Without their knowledge or permission, more than 60 years ago, and here's uh, Hillary apologizing on behalf of people she doesn't know about, she doesn't know if they're sorry, while not apologizing for uh, tr atrocities she has conspired uh, to partake in. Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male was an infamous and unethical clinical study conducted between 1932 and 1972 by the U.S. Public Health Service. Oh, without government, people might be unhealthy. The Tuskegee experiments are mentioned in, you know, one of the InfoWars articles that I come across every now and then. And even though it might be common reference in libertarian circles, in truther circles, or uh, independent media, the average person has no clue this took place. If they do, they don't grasp the implications, 
and they don't know it went on for 40 years undetected. Germ warfare declared against blacks. Governments there to exploit uh, the, the most vulnerable. Far from helping them, they uh, d just pretend that uh, th th they just wear the mask of the human rights organization, as the great Dave Smith likes to say. Here's a study from Harvard. This is an example of something that can happen that's really interesting, that has a lot of solid sourcing behind it, much like uh, Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley or something like that, or the Federal Reserve article I mentioned earlier. This is something that can have a lot of legitimacy behind it, but if it doesn't get attention, the public is not really aware of it. This is a Harvard study uh, on fluoride. They then analyzed possible associations with IQ measures in more than 8,000 children of school age. All but one study suggested that high fluoride content in water may negatively affect cognitive development. The average loss in IQ was reported as a standardized weighted mean difference of 0.45, which would be approximately the equivalent of seven IQ points. So in other words, uh, there is no level that they say, hey, Fluoride's good for you up to this point, and from this point on, there's a point of diminishing return. They just say it's inherently good for you, and drink as much as you can. By the way, drink a lot of water, which has fluoride. This is Harvard telling us, hey, watch out. Your kids might be exposed to something dangerous. So can you see why he would want to question vaccines when something like fluoride is totally pushed? There was a Parks and Recreational episode with Amy Poehler and it's her up against this stupid mob of morons who are questioning fluoride in the water. And she's this scientific woman out to just save the public from them stupid, for the stupid selves that they are. Um, it's incredible, the propaganda that we face. And even when we do have a legitimate study like this, people are just laughed at instead of actually analyzing the issue. Well, Alex Jones is analyzing the issue. And credit where credit's due to Joe Rogan saying Alex Jones called this years ago with regard to the Epstein case. Well, if you've done research on this and you know about the Franklin cover-up and you know the sources, you know the names of people who they talk to. John DeCamp once mentioned, uh, you know, uh, University of Pennsylvania as a, a suspicious place for pedophiles long before Jerry Sandusky and that cover-up even came out. So this is Alex Jones again focusing on something totally risky before it's cool to talk about confidently and bash. Uh, they're talking about the Epstein case. Um, they've also mentioned that Alex Acosta, the former U.S. attorney in Miami, uh, said that he was told to back off of Jeffrey Epstein because he was in, uh, he, he was part of intelligence. I mean, talk about a follow-up. Has anyone on MSNBC or CNN or Fox said, we need to get an Alex Acosta's face. This is the big story. Epstein has ties to intelligence. Uh, is our intelligence agency maybe not keeping us safe for a change? Oh, we need to get to the bottom of this. But instead, uh, CNN sends a reporter to go outside of an old woman's home and say, you know, that thing you shared on Facebook was from the Russians. It's so ridiculous. Police report into Jimmy Savile reveals 60 years of abuse, 34 raped, up to 450 sexually assaulted. When you know that there's basically a uh, pedophile elite that uh, have positions in high places, you're on the lookout for this stuff. This is why it's so important because if people aren't on the lookout and they don't really know what's going on then then they're more susceptible to be victimized 
That's why Alex Jones is so important. He talked to uh, State Senator John DeCamp from Nebraska about the Franklin cover-up and his uh, his interviews with uh, Paul Benassi were just so were just so groundbreaking that you'd think the mainstream media would want to get on top of it. Unfortunately, not. That's why we gotta value and respect Alex Jones. Uh, Alex Jones had a rant about Denny Hastert, who was sentenced to 15 months for molesting multiple kids on a wrestling team. This guy was third in line to be president, head cult leader, third in line to be, and he's and he's a rapist. Another thing I like about Infowars is child raping demon. Dennis Hastert sentenced. Notice the mainstream media, along with a lot of universities, will play, will, will of course have a bias as every human being does, but they'll sort of try to play it in the middle. They won't try to take sides. They'll constantly say, um, some are asking if the president has gone too far. Instead of just, don't be a coward. Would you take a stance for, for heaven's sake? Um, Alex Jones and the InfoWars group, they're not afraid to take a stance. This is uh, th this is really gr great stuff. Um, something we absolutely should appreciate. Alex Jones was questioning um, FBI agents after the Waco incident and after Ruby Ridge. Um, who, who in the mainstream media was saying, hey, that counts as what, what I guess you could call probably a, the biggest mass shooting, second only to Wounded Knee. But look, like I said earlier, you know, if there's a private school shooting, that's something terrible we all need to get the government to confiscate guns for. But when government commits something, well, those people shouldn't have resisted. Here's Alex Jones getting arrested at a uh, Bush Jr. speech when he was governor of Texas for saying in the crowd, hey, governor, what about the Federal Reserve? Hey, government, what about the Council on Foreign Relations? This country's run by Europe. Uh, m mentioning uh, bullet points. Uh, from the Anglo-American Establishment and Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley, books that he both uh, th that both of which he sells on Infowars.com, and notice his representative, who was there on behalf of him, chose not to answer this pretty uh, important question. What he did do is he had him arrested. I mean, hey, the the deal is either let's arrange for you to give me softballs and I'll answer them, or we'll have you kicked out if it's anything significant. Infowars was also the one who really brought to light this Jonathan Gruber video. Now, I know Fox was also on this, but to my memory, Infowars was really on top of this. And it does fit with everything else um, that Infowars is saying. Whereas, if you're just a regular Fox viewer, this seems like something weird, bizarre, and out of the ordinary. And, oh, that person's corrupt, let's get him out of there so we could protect the integrity of this system. By Alex Jones really giving you the framework for elites using the state, and sometimes corporations, to um, mask their evil, th then you really know... You, you can really uh, know what's happening in Grubergate when the um, uh, one of the architects of uh, not only Romneycare but Obamacare or the 2010 Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. Um, in the first most widely publicized video taken at a panel discussion about the Affordable Care Act at the University of Pennsylvania, October 2013, Gruber said the bill was deliberately written in a tortured way to disguise the fact that it creates a system by which healthy people pay in and the sick people get the money. Now, 
that isn't the damning part. That's not too different from insurance. The problem is, is that you can opt out of insurance. It's voluntary. You could have mutual aid. You could take the risk, whatever. The problem is they're violently forcing it on us. He said this obfuscation was needed due to the stupidity of the American voter. Now, shouldn't Barack Obama come out and respond to this by saying, what do you mean, the stupid American voter? These people are educated in our schools for 12 years. How dare you say that about the hardworking teachers? No, it's just so obviously known that schools crank out morons that you can just say this without, uh, without batting an eye. Obama knows it. Um, in ensuring the bill's passage, Gruber said that the bill's inherent lack of transparency is a huge political advantage in selling it. The comments caused significant controversy. Mm, devastating. Uh, also, the Cadillac taxes was uh, referred to in a second video. He stated, the American people are too stupid to understand the difference between the two approaches. Well, in the other, he said that uh, the switch worked due to the lack of economic understanding of the American voter. He just knows that this is someone who works at a university when he can make free YouTube videos trying to educate the populace. We really care. This is terrible. Let me get out here and explain to people uh, what my uh, proposed legislation is going to do. This way we could have a civil democratic discussion and come to a mutually beneficial agreement. Well, of course, the government has nothing to do with any of that nonsense that uh, we're taught about. Uh, Alex Jones uh, had Victor Ostrovsky on, a uh, former Mossad agent, who you could uh, consider a whistleblower uh, by his books by way of deception, making and unmasking of a Mossad officer, and the other side of deception by Victor Ostrovsky, um, uh, where they discussed not only the possibility of Israeli involvement in 9-11 through the art students, the spying, and the dancing Israelis, um, it, they also discussed the USS Liberty. Again, if you don't have a grasping of the history and knowledge of things like the Levon Affair or the USS Liberty or the bombing of the King David Hotel in uh, 1946, I believe, uh, then when something happens, it's totally isolated in your mind. You have no frame of reference. Bra um, Alex Jones also mentioned the National Defense Authorization Act, brought this to light more than anyone else, where Obama openly uh, creates a justification in law uh, for a police state to arise if there's any so-called emergency. Now, um, he also does something that it takes a lot of courage to do, which is, I, I mean, it's one thing to say Soros and Kissinger are evil. It's another thing to say, well, uh, they're pretty old and they're pretty weak, so how is all this destruction happening? Well, it's actually happening because people follow their orders, and you are responsible for the actions you choose to perform. It's difficult when you get into the case of the draft, but this, in, in this case, we're looking at soldiers in the military. Now, for Alex Jones being seen as someone on the right, it would be in his interest to just bash the politicians and McCain and Bush and say, well, the, the, you know, the troops, uh, they, they don't want to be there. You know, I think we should bring them home. Don't blame them. Blame the politicians and stuff. Alex Jones says, no, look at this immoral behavior. And you could attract so many people on the right by saying, oh, we blindly love the troops, wave the flag, yada, yada, yada. But instead, he exposes these war crimes. So whereas, uh, you know, they're on video uh, taunting kids with water, 
mocking him, uh, doing all these terrible things, throwing a dog, just torturing him, one of the clear signs of a psychopath, uh, and uh, initiating harm intentionally to an animal. Uh, so was uh, Rush Limbaugh's calling Abu Ghraib, you know, these fraternity prank photos, it's enhanced interrogation. Alex Jones is saying this is totally immoral. Look at what the troops are doing. Because, look, morality matters regardless of what geographical area you exited your mother on. Oh, that person's from America. Never mind, that's not evil. It's incredible. At what point are you worse than the people you're pretending to fight? Alex Jones, in December of 2011, was on RT, because sometimes you got to go overseas to, uh, you know, criticize the state. Um, he was talking about Ron Paul saying the U.S. government spies on everybody. Now, it, in 2011, this was a kook nonsense conspiracy theory. Uh, now, granted, government does do some spying, but that's only on terrorists. See, we need big government to stop the terrorists. It's always um, using a big justification to stop an enemy, whether it's the terrorists, the immigrants, the Germans, the communists, etc., when eventually this is going to be used on you. So, um, two years later, in 2013, the Snowden revelations come about. And now it's uh, it's recognized that Alex Jones was right about this, along with a number of other things, where he leaked the information to Glenn Greenwald, uh, citing documents such as the PRISM surveillance program. And it wasn't just PRISM, the surveillance program, it was also Stellar Wind warrantless surveillance program. Now, this is in clear violation of the search and seizure amendment in the Constitution, which they take an oath to uphold. Not that I'm a constitutional conservative or anything, but it is important to know that a group of people uh, trusted with, you know, representing the public take an oath to protect this document and then openly violate it, and people don't care. That's why you need the John P. Holdrens of the world to tell you how to uh, nicely uh, justify things in a completely broad, ridiculous manner. Alex Jones attended Bilderberg 2013. That, again, is trying to bring attention to a large group of people uh, who, who have an extreme immense of power and influence. The Council on Foreign Relations, he's discussed. He's discussed the Trilateral Commission and people like Samuel P. Huntington, uh, most, uh, mostly when uh, Webster Tarpley's on the show, they will uh, discuss something like that. So again, the media is not really interested in the Trilateral Commission, the CFR, or Bilderberg. I mean, Bilderberg's been around since, what, 1954? And um, it's gotten so, so little media coverage that it's it, it's ridiculous. Here are some quotes from Alex Jones' excellent movie, Endgame, Blueprint for Global Enslavement. If you don't recognize uh, these quotes or you don't know them, you, again, don't have a compass or a reference point to judge politics in the future. Here is Teddy Roosevelt in 1912 making this statement, political parties exist to secure responsible government and to execute the will of the people, as if a group of, you know, like 500 people can uh, accurately represent the desires of the hundreds of millions of strangers. From these great tasks, both of the old parties have turned aside instead. Of instruments to promote the general welfare, they have become tools of corrupt interests, which use them impartially to serve their selfish purposes. Behind the ostentable government sits enthroned an invisible government owing no allegiance and acknowledging no responsibility to the people. Is, isn't that something interesting that we should know about in our history books, that that is an actual quote from a president 
to destroy this invisible government, to dissolve the unholy alliance between corrupt business and corrupt politics is the first task of the statesmanship of the day. David Rockefeller, member of the CFR, co-founder of the Trilateral Commission, member of the Bilderberg Group, pals with Kissinger. Some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure, one world if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and proud of it. I stand guilty of being in a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States. Since I entered politics, I have chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the United States in the field of commerce and manufacturer are afraid of something. They know that there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive that they better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. President of America, former president of Princeton, uh, Woodrow Wilson from his book, The New Freedom in 1913. He passed the income tax, Federal Reserve, uh, legislation uh, lied us into the First World War with his pal Colonel House, who he called his second personality. Uh, th those are legit authorities telling us really something very, very important. And the media could care less. The universities could care less. The average person, when you bring it up to them, they just call you a kook. Each of them is one in a million. This is David Rothkopf, uh, Kissinger Associates member, member of the CFR. They number 6,000 on a planet of 6 billion. They run our governments, our largest corporations, the powerhouses of international finance, the media, world religions, and from the shadows, the world's most dangerous criminal and terrorist organizations. They are the global superclass and they are shaping our history. Now, to anyone, you might think that those go to, the first few go together. Government, maybe, corporation, maybe, finance, media, oh, religion, and then most dangerous criminal and terrorist organizations? Well, of course, all wars are justified because they first create the enemy. You know, they fund Al-Qaeda in Syria, and hey, we gotta go fight ISIS. You know, they fund Saddam uh, to fight Iran. Oh, Saddam's a bad guy, we gotta go in, because um, he invaded Kuwait uh, after Kuwait overdrilled in a shared oil area. You know, not to mention the Mujahideen, uh, not to mention Antony Sutton cites primary documents saying the U.S., uh, funded the Soviet Union. The name of the research is the best enemy money can buy. I believe it's so yeah, of course, uh, the, there's either a uh, enemy that's completely exaggerated and they make things up about or the enemy's real and it's been created by uh, the intelligence agencies in the first place. So when looking at uh, or when judging someone like Alex Jones and Infowars, you have to look at him and pair him up against the research he's brought to light that he's focused on, that he's gotten people real upset about, you know, the guy going to the John Kerry um, speech saying, hey, what about Skull and Bones? What's the deal with your secret fraternity that uh, says order out of chaos and every time something bad happens, you guys get a ton of power in, in the government. Well, is there anything to that? And uh, he's the don't tase me bro guy. You know, uh, I'll, I'll link to a uh, video of a guy almost going berserk at a Clinton speech because he found out about the Bohemian Grove because Alex Jones um, brought this stuff to light. Who has done, who has brought so much value um, to, uh, to, to society, to the 
um, collection of knowledge we have individuals ha as individuals have about uh, the world around us. Is it Alex Jones or is it, I don't know, the entire mainstream media and universities combined? This is someone we really, really need to appreciate. So I just uh, want to thank Alex Jones so much for, uh, for the excellent work that he's done. I, I certainly really, really appreciate it. What are you going to talk about? Yeah. A fraud? No, it wasn't a fraud, but I'll be glad to talk to you if you'll shut up and let me talk. Now. And a fraud? Let me tell you something. I'll tell you a couple of stories about fraud. The Bohemian Club. The, as you say, the Bohemian Club? That's where all those rich Republicans go up and stand naked against redwood trees, right? I've never been to the Bohemian Club, but you ought to go. It'd be good for you. Get some fresh air. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you gotta come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect connecting Saddam to Al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if... If the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. I said, is it classified? He said, yes, sir. I said, <laughs> I said, well, don't show it to me. And I saw him a year or so ago, and I said, you remember that? He said, sir, I didn't show you that memo. I didn't show it to you. Stalin took the guns, Mao took the guns, Fidel Castro took the guns, Hugo Chavez took the guns, and I'm here to tell you, 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. Doesn't matter how many lemons you get out there on the street begging for them to have their guns taken, we will not relinquish them. Do you understand?